0: Welcome to the Pages of Light podcast, your destination for discussions of popular fantasy and science fiction novels from a Christian worldview. My name is Tyler, a.k.a. Verum, and with me, as always, is Gabriel, a.k.a. the Quarantine Quartermaster. Welcome back to the podcast, Gabe.
1: Hey, it's good to be here, and I'm excited for round two, Unexpected we're gonna continue through the wheel of time, and we're gonna pick up at the story of camelin and go all the way to the end of the book today. I'm I'm ready yeah. for it.
0: Yeah, because we there's too much in this book, and so we thought we too could do, much. We thought we could do two episodes, but we'll we'll probably do three because there was just too much, and we didn't get through it all quick enough. Because um, we don't want these podcasts to be like two hours, because a two hour podcast is a pretty big uh, commitment. Um, so probably a lot of people aren't going to listen to two, a, to a two hour podcast. So this one might be a little shorter though, because we're hopefully going to finish the book out. Um, but I don't know. We'll see. Might be, we'll see. might still be an hour. We'll see what happens. Um, so yeah, we're going to pick up, um, actually a little before came we're going to pick up in, uh, Matt and Rand's story. Um, whenever they got separated, um, and they went down the boat down the river, um into Whitebridge, so we'll pick up in Whitebridge um with those two and then we'll get we'll do their story up to km one and then whenever everybody comes back together in came one then we'll uh finish out um what happened at the end of the book um yes yeah, so as always um make sure you guys follow us on social media we're on youtube you can go subscribe over there if you want to watch the video version of the podcast uh facebook instagram uh goodreads you can check out our website pagesoflight.com see our blog and uh whatever other new stuff we're doing over there and yeah i think we'll just let's just jump in so in whitebridge we have uh so everybody gets split up in uh after shadar logoth um because there was that um what was the thing that was chasing them like the the curse oh can't remember yeah, what, the, like what that, that was,
1: but started with an M. It wasn't Mordeth, uh, and it wasn't Manchinchin, which is the black mash, wind that's in the way. Mash, mashadar. Ma,
0: mashadar. 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 So the Mashadar is chasing them out of Shadar, Shadar Logoth. Words. Yeah. so wolf. they they all get split up, and so we have. Rand, Matt, and, uh, Tom, they're together and they go to Whitebridge and, um, basically they are there and they're in this inn and Tom is doing his gleaming stuff to get them a room and some food and all of that kind of stuff. And, uh, but then there is the merge roll, is, uh, on their heels and chasing them. And this is where Tom suppose. It says that he's di- that he died, but we never see his death on the page, so I'm gonna say that he's probably not dead, even though that's what they're saying in the book. Uh, throughout the rest of the story, that Tom, Tom is dead. He sacrificed himself to save us. Um, it was a type of sacrifice, though. He did, he gave them all his gleeman stuff. He gave him his flute, and his uh, his juggling balls and all those different things, um, and he allows them to get away. Um, which is a good sacrifice. I liked Tom as a character. I think he was. Um, I did too. He's a cool. He's a cool guy. He's got some, a lot of the cool stories and, um, an interesting backstory, um, that we'll probably talk about in, now part three of, uh, this podcast series on the <laughs> Hive of the World. Um, but yeah, I think he was um, interesting character, and uh, I think he helped the the Emmons Field boys kind of. Uh, grow up a little bit because he was um maybe like the like the father figure in their party almost like he was the the person that would, would give them advice and um tell them about history and things that happened beforehand and um lands i think he's kind of a distant character so he wasn't as like relational with the uh the Emmonsfielders. fielders and so i think tom is more of that like relational character yeah, that they I could talk he to. I think Land calls more.
1: I think Land calls Rand uh sheep herder for basically yes. the whole book. Come on yeah. sheep herder. Yeah, that's what Land <laughs> calls them. Yeah. <laughs> um so it's kind of like a But yeah, I also everything. like Yeah, I also liked uh Tom Maryland as a character cuz yeah, he's he's kind of got this bigger than life personality and they always talk about his colorful cloak and he'd make the juggling balls appear out of nowhere and uh he just seems like a really fun character and um so yeah at that inn in um Whitebridge, uh the innkeeper actually like asked them to leave um he said something along the lines of like there was someone here looking for you earlier he said he was That's... looking for gleeman and three boys and it was only matt and um yeah. Rand, but um he recognized them and said i i'd appreciate it if you'd finish your beer and get off my property, is what that, what that guy said. <laughs> Which happens in a few um,
0: inns, actually. Seems like they're yeah. always getting places, and then they're like, I heard people were looking for you. Get out of here. Yeah, so,
1: it's kind of that always being pursued sort of yeah. feel to the book. Um, yeah, and then they end it with like um, Rand and Matt running and escaping, and they hear Tom screams, but like yeah. Tyler said, we don't know what happened to tom and moraine later in the book it's actually when they're in the ways she just says one day i don't think tom's dead <laughs> um which just like comes out of fact, nowhere everyone yeah if moraine um, says it
0: it's probably true
1: yeah um and then so then we have the story of matt and Rand getting to camlyn by uh so first they're like farm hands they're like walking and they'll catch a ride with someone and then they'll work on a farm and then they're being chased off by people because people are suspicious in this time and age like they don't trust outsiders um and they get to sleep in like barns and stuff and then there's this one family uh who had like nine kids and they stayed and um Rand plays the flute and like the, even the little boy who's can barely walk is like dancing around and Matt is juggling the balls. And then at the next town they go to, they become a show. There's like Matt will juggle and I will play the flute.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: then that's when they start making their way in the world is, um, they've gotten used to like sleeping outdoors, but now they're getting fed inside an inn, and they're getting actually paid even sometimes. Um, and they start making their way across the country with the idea of getting to Camelon, which is basically the capital. It's where yeah. the queen lives. It's huge compared to like all of like the cities that they thought were huge. They yeah. were like like barely. This camelin would swallow twenty of these cities easily. Yeah, <laughs> like it's just full and bustling with people, um, and it's a real metropolitan area. And yeah, when you get to Camelon, there's like. The white faction, which are the um, people who are against the queen, and then the red, who are in support of the queen, yep. um, And but they're making their way across the uh, the country, and they end up at a place called um, the Four, Four Kings. Four Kings. That's that's the name yep. of the inn. Yep. And <clears throat> um, this is a place where Rand it just feels uneasy. He's like, I've been to a lot of places and he identifies that the, the innkeeper is a skinny man. And he didn't, <laughs> yeah. He's like, why is he skinny? That's right. Uh, and you, and you meet the innkeeper and he's just a terrible misogynistic man. Like he just yeah. backhands his female workers. Like he talks down to them and he's just well, like, I think they
0: went to that one because they, there was like three other inns or something or two other inns that already had, like performers in them. It's so like, this was yep. their only choice essentially. So, which you can see yeah, why uh, it was yeah, the they, only choice. Cause it was a pretty sketchy place.
1: Yeah. It seemed like a sketchy place. They said like the real reason people were there to just fondle the, the, uh, barmaids until like not really listen to the music. Uh, and then yeah. there's lots of fights and people were getting kicked out all the time. Um, so, um, <clears throat> ran, discerns that hake who is the owner there uh is after their um their goods he's realizing that he's eyeing up Rand's sword he wants to steal it um the flute and then he realizes and the flute uh that got a smile at one point in the in the presentation and um he just tells matt like i think he's trying to rip us off it's all noisy in the end and and matt's just like "Uh uh-huh (laughs) And then he was like, we should leave. And Matt's like, I'm hungry. I want to eat some food. This is where you like like, seriously start to
0: see the effects of that dagger where Matt's like, I don't care. i just want to like sleep and eat my food. (laughs) He's like not aware of like anything Um, that's going on around him.
1: Yeah. And so they, they continue to play. They even like try and get, it's like pelting rain outside. Mm -hmm. Um, And then there's like a, a guy who's interested in them uh he sat down like he comes in late and people are like why is he out so late um and he is basically looking for matt and rand and he's a dark friend yep and they notice him he's like Um, staring at them for
0: for their whole performance
1: yep um so the performance ends and they're being shown to their guest quarters and the two bodyguards are with hake um strom and The other one starts with a J, and they're, like, walking them into the the bedroom. So they get in there. They know that they're, like, being targeted to be stolen from. And so they're, like, okay, we got to get out of here. So they go to break out, and then there's bars across the window. So they're, like, they found a crowbar, and they're, like, waiting for lightning to strike because it's raining outside, and they're, like, trying to break out. And then the dark friend's at the door, and he's, like, let me in, and you will be the dark one's puppet and all this stuff and um and then as i i told tyler this and um at the beginning before we started recording the podcast so they're in a desperate situation they're trying to uh get out of this um basically prison cell it's got bars on the window and then they have the Mm -hmm. dark friend they're cornered and then all of a sudden during this rain and this storm lightning strikes and it hits like the bars and it explodes out the back like the back wall so that they are able to escape it also disables the dark friend he can't pursue them and my thought because we learn at the end of this book that rand is the dragon reborn destined to fight the dark one um and also to go mad um and he can channel the one source yep he can channel the one power so My thought was um, that this was in a time of desperation. He actually called upon the One Power uh, without him knowing, and it led to a miraculous escape. Because I mean, because he was between a rock and a hard place, with the um, with the jail cell and the um, (laughs) and the dark friend on the other side of the wall. So he um, Mm -mm. they actually ended up escaping, and they hitched a dragon. not a dragon ride, um, (laughs) Rand is the dragon. Yeah. But (laughs) no, they, they were on like a, a farmer's like, um, yeah. Like his wagon wagon. Yeah. Yeah. And he even left late, um, from the town and he, they got out of there. Um, but yeah, did you have any thoughts on, um, the four Kings or the adventures across the country?
0: Yeah, I think I just liked that scene. It just felt like really tense because you can feel like ah, we're in this sketchy place and there's these sketchy people and they want to steal from us. And it's just like kind of slowly building up to, um, up into this like little climactic scene where um, you have the exploding wall and <clears throat> them narrowly escaping um, the dark friends. Um, but yeah, that's like a classic fantasy trope of like in their, in your moment of desperation, like that's when you're your power is manifest. And that's when, um, like in, uh, Harry Potter, when, uh, uh, in the first movie, like Harry makes the, the glass where the snake is disappear. And like, cause he's mad at, he's mad at Dudley. So like his emotions and his, like in the situation of desperation that he's in, like that is what manifests, um, his power and his, uh, his use of magic. Um, yeah it's just like a classic kind of fantasy trope that's it's always cool because it's because like when you're put in those situations those situations it's always like very uh a very desperate situation and you know
1: above what you're capable of dealing with
0: yes which is why you have to manifest your supernatural powers to get you out of the situation so because you wouldn't if you if you if you didn't have those powers then you wouldn't have been able to get out like you would have gotten mugged or killed or you know whatever it is. Um and there's also a few and, other uh, scenes. Yeah, go ahead.
1: Go ahead. Oh uh, yeah, um, there's also a few other so, yeah. scenes. <laughs>
0: okay, yeah, you go
1: <laughs> Alright, I'll go and then you'll go. Yeah. I was just gonna say with um the uh one power, um the wisdom Mm-hmm. Nynaeve, yeah. she, uh, it's mentioned when she's with uh, Lan, the warder, and Moraine that she probably had healed people with the one power and she didn't realize yes, it. Right. And Moraine explains that, like, you may have healed someone that yeah. was close to death and uh, yeah. then she fell deathly ill. And that's kind of what happens to Rand is that later like he's as weak as a kitten and yep. uh and matt is kind of having to take care of him um and get him through um and so like he fell sick after what we think is causing the lightning strike to this uh to the end um and then Nynaeve had that experience where she healed someone and then like a few days later she had this very uh like very bad reaction sickness for like yeah yeah for like 12 hours uh so that's another reason i thought oh that's that's gotta yeah, be the one power exactly um yeah sorry go ahead what you were gonna say
0: <clears throat> no yeah, i was just gonna say there's a few other scenes like if we move on from four kings where like they get to a town and then there's like dark friends like waiting for them essentially and like trying to find them um because mm-hmm. uh bails on, whenever they have the dreams he's able to like see kind of um, like into where they are I think and that's where how he's able to like kind of track where they're going um, but he doesn't I don't think he knows like what they look like so that's why it's um, like the dark friends like think they know who they're looking for but they're not quite sure um, like there was that one scene with that with that woman who like cornered them in the stable do you remember that scene? oh yeah that I can't remember scene. I can't remember what her what that character's name was but well, actually,
1: um, they said in the book that they don't remember her name and it was never given. Like, again, uh, sure. Robert Jordan just created a, a, a person that filled out the story, <clears throat> um, but he specifically did not give her a name. It was just a nameless dark friend who attacked them. And yep. she had this crazy dagger that she, uh, like, yep. Matt defends Rand while he's sick and um, it stabs the wall and the wall starts, like, turning black and like Mm -hmm. basically corroding is kind of the way that I felt about it. So this dagger had some dark magic in it.
0: It's like the, the dagger from, uh, Lord of the Rings at the, the watchtower. Yeah. The, uh, the Morgul blade. And then like, whenever he like picks it up, it like disintegrates. It's like, well, that's no good. Uh, that's the movie version probably. (laughs) Um, but Yeah that was a that was a cool scene um yeah i don't know there was just I a few other like, like one little of the places last ones
1: before yeah. yeah um before they get to camelin because there is another guy who's like i'm a dark friend and mm-hmm. um but he doesn't like run out of the town but yeah ran and mad escaped from that town because yeah he said <laughs> that they had like a fade there and that they were gonna start yeah. looking for them but
0: I did yeah, like that there was definitely. there were instances where there were nice people on their travels as well, like the people that they hitched rides with or um and like some of those characters would like try to give them advice because they're like, you guys are running from something aren't you or you guys are being hunted or like and they were yeah. trying to like give them advice like I wouldn't get mixed up in this stuff or I would just try to I would just go back home or you know like stuff like that where they were trying to like look out for like the young the young boys um, because they, they could probably like sense that they were a little bit out of their depth and they might get themselves killed or injured or something based on whatever they were dealing with. Um, Sure. (laughs) And I think Matt usually had like some snide comment, like why are we supposed to trust you or something? Because he was like cursed by the dagger. So like Matt was never like helping anybody's case like they weren't he wasn't helping their case like trying to not look suspicious because matt was always like clutching his dagger and like had his has his like cloak cloak up yeah and like he just makes them look more suspicious i think but
1: yeah (laughs) but he
0: did help rand get through while he was sick so you know props to him for that so
1: (laughs) good job matt
0: good job matt (laughs) um yeah so then they finally get to Camelin um which is i think where they finally get a little bit of breathing room because they get to go to that inn called the queen's blessing where they have they actually meet a nice innkeeper who wants to help them and he's on the queen's side and um yeah he gives them a room for free and you know all this kind of stuff so this is like kind of like the calm before the storm like before the climactic end um where they're reunited with the other party members and they kind of just get like a reprieve finally um Although except Matt, cause he's got the, got the curse, you know? So, um, and this so, is where yeah, I also meet? pause
1: sure. for a second. Um, yeah. Before we get to who they meet, um, I just want to say like how different the world is now. Like, I feel like, you know, one of the reasons why the innkeeper took them in at the Queens blessing is because they knew Tom Marilyn Yes. and he had a strong relationship with tom Marilyn and he's like yep. i see you're carrying his flute yep. um you know i know that you have been with him and then you know rand is like you know he died saving us and he's been a good friend i'm sorry if you liked yep. him or he was your friend he was our friend too mm-hmm. um and i just don't think that exists anymore at least in my experience like i've never experienced I mean, okay I have, but it is very rare when like someone will take you in and take care of you because of a relationship they previously had Um, in my life that has happened um, several times. But one that I can think of is when I moved to Louisiana for my first teaching job, I moved in for three weeks with a woman I had never met because she was my dad's cousin. We had never met before. And she was just like, yeah, you need a place to stay live in my house for, until you get an apartment. And, Hmm. you know, I had some intermittent contact with her after that, but you know, I was in my twenties and I didn't really make an effort to be like, wow, that was really generous of you. Like, and I think back, like, would I open my house to a stranger that I had never met? Um, and I just love that, like, there are relationships in this book that are so strong and so powerful that I will give of myself because of, you know, like I will give you my inn, I will give you free food. I will give you a place to stay. Because I'll protect of you the even there. I'll protect you. Like, yeah, I'll even like stick my neck out for you. Yeah, because the children of the light Tom came. Maryland.
0: Yeah. Yep. And they tried and, to and like he... shake down the innkeeper. and He was like, you get out of here. I'm going to call the Queen's guards and yeah, all the like,
1: end people stood and like yeah took a stand, yeah that was that was a cool scene yeah. um but like i just don't think that exists anymore like hey you were good friends with my friends like okay like i feel like yeah. the, you know we live in such a world where like that is just such an un let's bring that back yeah i want to bring that back like hey you were a good friend of my friend like let me take care of you like let me show you a good time like let me do things that are in my ability to make your life better yeah um because i think that's what god would want and yeah i just i and i just was impressed that that happened like you know there's some other things with like um signals of trust between characters um And so, yeah, I just wanted to take a second to highlight that because I just feel like that's so rare in our world today. And I would love to see that be more prevalent. Like, like, Hey, I will take care of you because of, you know, like this relationship that I've had. And I know that that person's a good person. Therefore I can believe this of you. Um, yeah, yeah, I I was just struck by that. And and just like how rare that is today, like
0: Christian hospitality as well. Like. If you have like a brother or sister in Christ that's like in need, like you should want to be able to like do something to be able to help them. Like the like whenever I had like we had COVID, like the amount of people that said like, oh, I'm going to bring you food. Like, when can I come over? Like, it was just very encouraging just to be like, wow, there's just people in our life that we know that whenever we get sick, like they will just go out of their way to you know, go to the store and buy us whatever we need. And like, they didn't ask for us to pay them back. Like it was just something out of like the goodness of their heart that they wanted to be able to help us in our, in our time of need. That was just, it was just like a sickness for us. But like some people are in like serious needs, like they're going to lose their house or like, you know, they're in, you know, pain where they're like, something's going on with their kid or, you know, whatever it is, it's just like situations where like you can, have a relationship where you can just be there for somebody. Maybe you don't even have to like do some, like give them something like monetarily or physically, but you could just like be with them in that time. Like just sit with them and talk with them or, you know, whatever it Absolutely. is. Um, like it doesn't have to be like a thing where you like give them money or like give them a physical item. It could just be like you give your time and you give of your self and your like emotional um, like well being, and you can, you know, like speak into their life in a way, or like give them advice, or you know, there's like a ton of different ways that you could, um, like, be hospitable to people, um, if they're in some kind of need, uh, like needing situation. Um sure. Yeah, I I agree that 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 is something that probably there isn't too much of in our in our world anymore. So, yeah, it's a it would be nice to be have more the of that. change
1: you wish to see in the world. I think That's that was right. Gandhi. Yeah. still it's true yeah <laughs> um all right sorry we you were side yeah. quest complete side quest um, complete it's good let's uh let's talk about who they met did you want to take that
0: <laughs> yeah so they met this really cool character which we didn't mention in the previous podcast i think but his name is loyal i think that's how you pronounce mm-hmm. it um yeah but he's he's an ogre, which is it's like a they look like Trollocs, yes, but they're like sentient, like more tame Trollocs. So they're like, are they well, not? They're, they're, like they're like their own
1: people with their own culture. Like Trollocs are very like tribal and like yeah. driven by fear and like uh, just like violent yeah. and controlled by the Merdral and like the the like they call them the Builders. I think like they're a society yes. of um the ogier they're very old they have long lifespans and they Mm -hmm. have they want to um they are very in touch with nature and they want to see nature like succeed and everything very different from the trollocs even though they sometimes like um
0: and they build or they have like really long lifespans
1: Mm -hmm.
0: they kind of reminded me of elves in a way from lord of the rings where they're they have long lives. They're um, very wise. Um, like they're very learned. Like they, yeah, um, I don't know. It just kind of reminded me a little bit of them. And they seem very like, very um, like well spoken, and they're very thoughtful. And yeah. uh, um, like they're always thinking of like, what are the effects of this, or like what are the long term ramifications? Because they live such long lives. Like they have more of a
1: an understanding of like
0: history um yep. like compared to I the think Emmons they said filters. that
1: loyal loyal likes to uh give at least 300 years of background to any story that he's <laughs> <is> telling <laughs>
0: yeah yeah and then uh whenever he was telling that's telling that story to the aes Sedai to Moraine She's like, it needs to be a quick story, a fast story. He's like, Well, I have a lot of prologue and I got a lot of backstory I need to tell yep. you. So like I'll try to yeah, I'll try, like, but like I'm not making any promises.
1: <laughs> He's like she's like, Be brief. And Robert <laughs> yeah. Jordan was like and the Ogier squinted or something as if he didn't know what the word meant or
0: something. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I thought he was a really cool character. Um and I enjoyed it again. Um, yeah. It's go ahead. Just
1: like the discovery thing. Yeah, exactly. Where like like, here's another, like, character of another race who is, like, just part yeah. of the world that, like, you, you like, come to accept it. Like, you know, um, Perrin had found his way to the Stedding, um, you know, with Elias and um, mm-hmm. Egwene. And then here's the Ogier, who is, like, a carer for the Stedding. And there's yep. different Steddings. and. Um, basically the Ogier don't live among men they stay in the settings, away from people they stay with their own kind and loyal at 90 years old he's like an 18 year old he's like I'm gonna leave and I'm going to explore the world And maybe I am too hasty and yeah. uh, that that's kind of like where he is he's trying to <laughs> out like be out and see the world yeah. um, and then he crosses the path with the three Taviran and he's like oh I'll just jump on board with these guys
0: yeah which is, it's interesting. Like he is like the hasty ogre, but like compared to like the humans, like he is super slow and like, um, like he doesn't do anything fast. But very like, thoughtful. But like within his own people, he is like a hasty ogre. Which yeah, yeah. So like if he met the other ogre, like they'd be worse, worse than um, loyal. I get worse isn't a good word, but Tyler uh,
1: did air quotes for people who oh are yes, listening on the audio. Worse,
0: <laughs> yes. They wouldn't be like worse characters or like, but they would be worse in the sense that, uh, like, they would be even like slower. Like, they embody more. like
1: slowness even more. Yes. Like- <laughs> yes.
0: But they, like, the other O gear, like, don't leave the setting essentially. Like, they just stay in their little hometowns. Maybe sort of like the Emmons Fielders, like, the Emmons Fielders don't generally you know, leave the town that they grew up in. Right. Um, like they don't sure. go on adventures. They don't go and, you know, search out new, interesting places. And, um, so he's kind of unique, uh, in his people. Um, sure. so yeah, I just liked seeing, him, seeing his conversations with, uh, with Rand because he doesn't really talk to Matt because Matt's just sitting up in the room being cursed and all. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> Matt is such like a sad storyline. He just like finds this dagger and then it just like ruins it ruins him basically. Um yeah. until the very end. Um so hopefully he gets well, to Well actually
1: Yeah, he's he's gonna get healed here pretty soon in the storyline.
0: That's true, although not completely healed.
1: Not completely. It's it's uh it removed the taint from him, but there's a bond between him and the dagger yeah. that will so kill it will, him it will return. if it's not treated.
0: Yeah. Um, but yeah, we'll get to that in a second. But first, um, there's a, a scene where Rand wants to go out and see Loghain, because throughout this whole kind of story, we're hearing of this um, fall, the false dragon, whose name is Loghain, and he's been captured, and uh, the Aes Sedai are taking him uh, to Camelin. And so that's why there's a ton of people who are on the road whenever they're going towards Camelon. That's why there's a ton of people that they can hitch rides with and stuff because there's a bunch of people who are going to Camelon so they can see, uh, this false dragon, uh, Loghain. And so brand goes to where, uh, Loghain is being transported and he climbs up on this wall so he can see. And, there's this scene where like Loghain basically like stares straight at Rand and he like gives like this crazy laugh kind of thing or something like that. And, uh, he just like Loghain just seems like an insane kind of character. Like the, I don't know. He just seems I think it'll be interesting to see him in the, in the, sh- in the TV show, because I think they're going to like build him up as, as a character more than he was, uh, in this book because we only really get that one scene with him. Um, and then everything yeah, and else I is just he like talking about who a he is.
1: character later. Um, yes. But yeah. And also there's like, um there's the, the homeless guy who's like looking for Rand and then Rand like sees him and then he like runs and that's when he gets to the wall to look at Loghain. So Loghain is a man who can channel the power. Um, so he's like, yep. um, that's why people think that he's the false dragon is because he's a man who can uh, channel the power. And then they have to have the um, Aes Sedai there to contain him. Yep. So they have to have enough Aes Sedai to prevent him from touching the true source. Because, yep. you know, if, if you can wield magic, you can easily break out of a cage, which is kind of mm-hmm. what they had him in. Um, and I so think they, they have, call to, have, it, they the have
0: I, to call it gentling
1: oh yeah yeah it's like um yeah gentling them is like, like keeping you in power <laughs> yeah yeah like you're you don't have the ability to touch the the one power anymore if you're gentled so um yeah later we learned that this beggar is pot on thane who uh thane. is a character again who uh is introduced in the first few pages of the book where yeah. we're back at he um, was in emmons field t- yeah, he was in Emmons Field. He's been coming there for years. He's a peddler, um, and we learned that he has been touched by the Dark One to kind of pursue relentlessly. Yeah, um, the we don't learn that until beer.
0: we don't learn that until a little bit later. But yeah, but that's why yeah, he keeps and, showing up. Like he he shows yeah, up in like and different and that, different that, again, towns. Those,
1: like, yeah, those Easter eggs. Like yes. when you've read it mm-hmm. once, you you go back and you're like. Yeah. Oh, that must have been Padon yes. Thane, who was like the beggar, because yep. they never identify him as such, um, yep. but he's just a ratty looking man. Um, yeah, so Rand climbs up this wall. He sees Loghain and they have their moment. Uh, and then he falls backwards and he hits his head, and all of a sudden, the daughter heiress is there taking care of him. And like he's in the castle, he's on like the royal grounds. Where the queen lives and her daughter, and um, yeah,
0: I think her name is Elaine. <laughs> Elaine and Gwen Yep.
1: Yep. Um, Elaine and uh, her brother.
0: Yeah, Gawain. Um, I think.
1: Gawain. Like and yeah, there's like two of them. There's like there. Um, there's two G names. There's um, Gawain, the brother, and then and the Galad. other. Uh, Galad. Galad. Yeah, who um who goes and basically tattletales on them that they have a stranger yeah. uh in there. So Rand is unceremoniously brought before Queen Morgaze and he was just like, Oh, she's so beautiful and <laughs> if she was in field like every man would be lined up to marry her and he's like, Oh, I can't believe that I'm thinking of her like this and she's there with an Aes Sedai counselor, um who kind of looks at Rand and says he is at the center of all this change and like mm-hmm. um him basically identifying him as Teviran. And yep. so this is kind of an introduction into like the royal court and how um some of the politics going on. Some of the politics. Um Rand has a, his his Heronmark sword, but he bought some red um like cover to go like over cloth, it so he yeah. could hide the the cloth and but that symbolizes in Camelin that you support the queen um and that's you know also why he was taken in at the queen's blessing he had his red in addition to being you know friends with tom Marilyn, yep because if he had the white you know and they said that the people in the white there were much more of those people and that they would beat you up basically if you were wearing the red symbolizing that you support the queen um and so ran has a chance to exchange words with the queen who says like you have the two she identifies him and says like you have the two rivers on your tongue so she believes his story and there's but like still he doesn't some questions. he doesn't
0: look like a two rivers person
1: oh right because he looks like an IEleman uh, yes. with the red and his hair and the blue and so even Which though gives he looks you like more, an
0: more yeah it gives you more hints on like his backstory because at the very beginning, he whenever he was dragging his father Tam back to the town after the, well, we actually didn't ever really talked about that scene, but at the very beginning of the book, whenever the uh, fields gets attacked, there's a scene at with Tam and Rand where they are attacked in their little house in their uh, farmhouse, mm-hmm. and that's where Tam brings out the sword, and he kills some of the Trollocs, but then Rand has to like drag him back to the the town, and this is where Tam is saying like in like his delirium state like saying like yeah he has like something fever ab- dreams yeah and- something about like he's i can't remember the specific words that he used but like it was we, like the revelation I, like, is that you, we he's not he's not rand's father essentially um right
1: um like you've always wanted a a, a kid my wife like we'll take yeah. this one and yes we'll take care of him and yep um yeah but like that and that so, scene
0: where like she says that you don't look like a two rivers person that fil- that fuels the, the mystery of like, he doesn't look like a two, like an Emmons fielder. So that means he's definitely from somewhere else, which is why, um, Tam says that he's not, um, like his actual father and they was taken from somewhere else. Um, mm-hmm. so yeah, just some, some more little nuggets that we get along the way of to, of to who Rand is and his backstory and who his father was and all that kind of stuff. So, I'm loving, I'm loving the, I'm loving the intrigue on that.
1: Yeah. Um, and then, uh, Rand gets to leave the palace, but then he's going to be pursued. I, I feel like it's either by like the queen's guard or like the ICI. The eye, yeah. I think it was the queen's good. Um, and so he goes back to the queen's blessing and he talks to, um, the innkeeper there and, that's when the white cloaks come in, and he says, get out of here, you filthy white cloaks, and we don't harbor dark friends here. And um, and then all of a sudden, someone in the kitchen says, there's someone here to see, you know, um, Rand Randall, and, and Matt. Matt. Yep. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> who is it? Lo and behold, Moraine Everybody's and Land back. Nynaeve. And Perrin and Egwene—they're all there in the kitchen, and they all have their Emmonsfield reunion. Yay! And they're all excited to see each other. It's a great scene. Um, Just good to see you. everybody yep. back together. Yep. Um, and then that's when Moraine goes up and sees Matt and notices that he's tainted. Oh, and I liked her reaction in the room where, like, R- Robert Jordan was like she was watching him the way that you would watch a viper like he is like that he might dangerous pounce. like yeah yeah and then he does right and then he tries yeah. to attack Moraine and then like i said in the first podcast that's the description where lan was in the doorway and then robert jordan's like he didn't bother with the intervening space and he goes and he grabs matt's hand who matt is with every ounce of his you know young adolescent body is trying to attack moraine with his knife and lan's just like Holding his hand like it's nothing because he's a warder and he's got like super strength. Um, and like, but they did say like you could see like his tendons like popping out on his arm or something because he He was was trying so hard. Yeah. Um, and then Moraine is able to cleanse Matt and, um, and of the, the tainted dagger from Shadar Logoth, which basically makes you suspicious of everyone and everything, and mm-hmm. Matt was just falling deeper and deeper into that. Um, and like yep. you said, like he could have eventually attacked his own friends um, yep. had that um, dagger had its way with him. But yep. he has to have the dagger now. It's a like if he loses like a part it, of he him. may die. Yeah, it's like a part of him, and he has to go to Tarvalin to have it. Like Completely removed, but they said that anything that left Shadar Logoth could infect the person that left with that item, so it didn't yep. matter what it was. But, um, oh, and then, um, the dark one has them like Perrin and Matt and Rand, and Matt is the one, like, there's a character, there's three characters that they could all be, and, like, oh yeah, it, and they're dream. One has yeah. an in their dream and Matt has um the dagger and I like just want to know more about Matt like what yeah. is his story like why is he severe yeah. and because you know you have Rand who is the dragon reborn can channel the power and then mm-hmm. you have perrin who is got the wolf sense and the wolf eyes and he can like he he has those special powers but what is matt like matt isn't superhuman in any way Mm -hmm. but like in the in the dream he is the character with the dagger so like the dagger is like a part of his identity and like who he's becoming but i don't understand what that is because he doesn't seem to have any like he's got to have some superpowers right
0: yeah, I don't know. Maybe he'll like channel some like dark powers or something like that, where he'll be like uh, Maybe at some point in this, I mean, there's fourteen books. So there's a lot of stuff that could happen. Maybe there'll be some instance where like he's almost an enemy to Ran or something, and they have to like fight or something. I don't know. It could be interesting, because like Matt's his best friend, you know. So it could be like a pretty emotional scene or emotional fight where it's like it's me or you, dude. It's me or you. <laughs> so yeah I don't know but yeah the the dreams so. are always interesting and they're always, always there's like symbolism in all of them um or there's just like the the dark one being super powerful and overpowering about like trying to convince them to to just come to him essentially and join the dark friends
1: yeah <clears throat> Mm-hmm. Um,
0: uh yeah so so this is where we get um the scene with uh they're about to leave because i think because rand had told everybody like the story with the queen and like they're gonna probably going to pursue me so we need to leave and uh this is where uh loyal says that he needs to come with them and he was like oh yeah i told him he could come with us and uh there was some revelation, though, that, um, uh, oh, oh yes, yeah, yeah. it's, it's because. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Cause so originally, you know, they were going to go to tar, tar-, tar- Valen, um, and but this is when they finally reveal to Moraine, uh, the three boys, saying that they've been having dreams and Bailzaman is talking to them. And this is when she's like, Okay. This is seriously bad, and we need to go straight to the Eye of the World right now. Um, essentially, like we can't mess around going to Tarvalin anymore. Like we have to go straight to the Eye of the World and like settle this. Is that how? Is that how you remember? That it? is the
1: revelation, and yeah, there is two more two more pieces to that. One was the Ogear said that there was a man who was um, being yes. like he was recovering in the Steading and he said something about like the eye of the world will be attacked and this was like 20 years ago or something and then also the traveling people told Perrin and Egwene about a person that they had tended to and he was like the um the wheel is going to be attacked um Mm -hmm. or the eye of the world is going to be attacked and so Moraine hears all this information yes in a short span of time and she's like it can't be a coincidence we have to go to um the eye of the world um, and defend it which is where yeah and defend it and because that's where the true battle is going to happen and yep. so um that's that's why they change course here they're not going to Tarvalin and the eye of the world which moraine has already found one time, which is surprising because they have the green man again, another person that uh, is just part of the world, but you are like, oh my gosh, I accept this. Who is like, yep. uh, seems like a 20 foot tall tree giant. Um, he reminds like, me of the, of the Green of Knight. Branches. Whenever
0: I heard that, I was like, oh, the Green Knight. That's what I was imagining in my head from the, the movie.
1: Yeah. And he's like surrounded by butterflies and he's got yep. this like dark, um, like this dead like scar on his face of like withered leaves and stuff and um and but But we'll get we'll get to him in a second. Yeah. So Moraine says, you know, this can't be a coincidence. And on top of that, we have a way to get out of um Camelin because I believe like the Trollocs were coming and they were going to be captured by the Queen's Guard, so they need to find like a way out. And so yep. loyal, who is very learned and very understanding of the old ways has learned about a place called the ways. Well, I think and, Moraine
0: um, said that we need to take the ways and loyal was like, nah, we can't do that. It's a bad idea. Cause it's like they're corrupted yeah. or something like that. Uh, but Moraine's mm-hmm. like, no, we have to take the ways because it's the only way that we can get there in the quickest possible. Like we can't walk there. Like it take us forever. Right. So, yep. But and loyal really like, doesn't want to no do cool. it.
1: Yeah. He doesn't want to do it. And she was just saying that it has to be this way because like we have to go to the eye of the world, which is hundreds of miles away. Yep. And yet we have a way to get there through the ways because only an O gear can navigate the ways or so they think. Um, to take them there so basically if you go into the ways it's a um it's a location that exists kind of outside of the realm of reality like time is different there and it's just kind of like a bunch of bridges and lots of darkness and it's it's just kind of like a void and there's like, like these um, signs,
0: like cryptic signs that the ogre has to read to like make sure they're going the direct, like the correct, correct uh, avenue or the correct bridge or whatever. Um, right. And then there and, was like uh, a the there was like way- a corrupted bridge that was like collapsed so that you take a different route. Um, yeah, there was a lot mm-hmm. of interesting stuff in there.
1: Yeah, and so the entrance to the ways are found all across the. Uh, all across um, the planet and they were usually tied to the Steddings which we had talked about earlier which is where Ogiers yep. live and it was a place where um, like trees were meant to grow and nature was supposed to be abundant and the one in camelin has just been so forgotten um, that it was just like a hole in some guy's like cellar like yeah. they broke into a cellar and they walk downstairs and moraine completes the magic she finds the symbol and she opens the ways um and they go in and it's just like they're walking into a mirror they see like the reflections sink into itself and they go yeah. through and they're in this world of darkness and like there's not a lot going on in the ways and it seems. Yeah kind of boring and they're just like uh let's let's, we're we're just kind of on a horse we're just kind of (laughs) walking that's all we're really doing yeah but it's like really suspicious and weird because it's all dark and Mm -hmm. and again that's where pot on thane rears his head because they're being followed in the ways and they're like who is that back there yeah they're like if they don't bother us we're not gonna bother them Um, And then there's the revelation that the Trollocs had figured out how to use the Ways and that's how they managed to get from the Blight, which is on one side of the world to the other side of the world where Emmons Field is. Um, And then Rand and all of his friends are getting scared. Like what if we ran into hundreds of Trollocs in here by ourselves in the Ways? And then Manchin Chin, which is the black wind of madness that, if you were to experience it, you like walk out of the ways, a mad person and crazy. And, um, loyal is very scared of Encountering that. And then that's like where the, the ways ends is like, they hear the wind coming and then they're just like, throw caution to the wind and even more rain, unplacable. Like no matter how much she, you throw at her, she's just like, we will be all right. We will go. She's just like, go, go run, go (laughs) run. Um. Yeah. So that's that's the the thing that chases them out of the way is that black yeah. wind.
0: That reminds me of that scene in um, Lord of the Rings and Fellowship of the Ring, where they're in Moria, and after the uh, Pippin has that ba- drops that skeleton down the well, and then the the Balrog comes, and Gandalf is like, "This foe is beyond any of you." run! And then they're basically just like, we're running away because we can't fight this thing. Um, that, yep. that, that scene reminded me of, like, Moraine is super powerful, but uh, not this time. We need to get out of here. This is a bad, bad, yeah. bad time. <laughs> <laughs> so. Yeah. Um, um, yeah, then they finally get out. Yeah. And they mm-hmm. go to this place called uh, Faldara, which is like a castle, right um, up where the Blight is. And this is where basically they're like fighting the Trollocs up there. And, um, there's about to be a battle up there and, um, and they meet this yeah, a
1: lopsided battle that the, yeah. the human forces are going to lose because they're yes. going to be outnumbered 10 to one Trollocs yeah. and fades on the other side.
0: Yeah. Um, but they meet this guy up there, the Lord of the castle, his name's Agomar. Mm-hmm. who's a cool, cool character. Um, And he basically tells them like, yeah, he basically tells them like a ton of history about like some of the, uh, the wars and the people, um, from the different battles, uh, long ago. Um, so I liked hearing those, uh, different stories. Um, and he tries to like send them men with them into the eye of the world because he's like, Oh, I need to help you guys win that battle up there. And they're like, nah, we don't need any help, but it was cool that he would be willing to help them and send men, even though he was so outnumbered f- for his own battle. Like he was still willing to give them people to go and help them. Um, which is a nice touch, I guess. seems like he seemed yeah, like a and, good character. Good guy.
1: Yeah. Again, like the, um, he just had so much faith in Moraine and Lan, Um, yep. cause Lan is well known there. Uh, yes. like the, the seven towers that had fallen and, yep. um, Basically, if he had agreed to go to the battle, he was like, a thousand lances would show up um, because you are promising to be there and people would flock to your leadership. And he said, you know, I, Sedai, Moraine, like, if you come, you'd be worth a thousand lances as well. Um, And then, you know, then they have to go out into the Blight in search of the... um, Which the Blight is like... It, it seems very hot there and also yeah, like, like just decay like
0: deserty, and, and, and yeah
1: yeah and, and like all the trees are like poisoned and stuff and there's weird yeah. enemies and like nature itself is rebelling against yeah. the natural order and it also is spreading like the blight is like alive and it's like spreading out it's like mordor yeah they're, they're like trying to hold it back yeah um but, like, when but, in
0: that scene where, like, the, he's asking them to come help him fight in their battle, they're basically, like, even if, like, your It doesn't matter what happens with your battle, essentially. Like, if we lose our battle at the Eye of the World, like, the outcome of your battle is world pointless, is essentially. Yeah. yeah. So, that's kind of, like, we we need to forget about the small battle, and we need to, like, go and win win the war, essentially. Like, we need to, to win the, the battle that's important, where we can actually stop something and make a difference in whatever's going to uh, happen in the future.
1: Yeah. Cause it's the battle against Shaitan, the dark one. Yeah. And then, uh, Agomar gets all flustered cause he thinks that, yep. um, the ran, Matt and Perrin are all male Aes Sedai, And he's like, starts sweating and stuff. And, and more is yeah. like, no, it's not like that. Um, yep. and then that's when they set out for the blight.
0: Yep. Yeah, so they go through the blight, and then um, they meet the green man up there, um, who's guarding the eye of the world, and yeah, we kind of talked about him a little bit earlier, he he was a cool character, again, he reminded me of the, the green knight, I was just picturing like, like a tree person, <laughs> kind of like, because he seemed like in tune with nature, and um, he was just like a, um, like a gentle, not a gentle giant, but like, he seemed like a, a very large person and but he was he would do anything to like defend the the eye of the world and protect it uh, with everything that he had um which he does he does do because he has to give his life uh defending it which another character is just like shows up he's in there for a few scenes and then he's gone um yep <laughs> just just more more world building and Flushing out of all the stuff going on in this, in this and, series. Yeah.
1: And then the story with the green man was that like at the breaking of the world, like um, when they sealed the dark one in his contain, I think that's what it was. Mm-hmm. Um, they like the male and the female eyes asked the, the green man, if they, if they would, pro- if he would protect the um, eye of the world. Mm-hmm. And he said, you know, like I was all that they had and I have, like remain true to this promise, you know, for thousands of years. And one more thing about the Green Man is that they said that you can only find him once and Moraine had found him before. And she said the key is need. Mm-hmm. The key is need. If you have to see him, you will see him. Yeah. Um and that's why they didn't take people from the uh, from Faldara, because if one of them had thought, like, oh I'm gonna win honor and win glory then yep. the Green Man and the Eye of the World would have been unfindable. Um, Interesting, yeah. Because it would have been, been prevented. So, yeah, and then we have the encounter at the Eye of the World just outside um, with the Forsaken. We have two Forsaken that show up, which are basically like the super powerful henchmen of the Dark One. Yeah. Um, we have two. Their They're names like the- are the the ring wraiths.
0: <laughs> kind of mm-hmm. if we're keep we're getting we continue to draw lord of the rings par- parallels
1: <laughs> yep because there are some yeah but Agamar, they're forsaken yeah,
0: agonar and
1: Balthamel. 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 yep, yep Balthamel. Yeah. um so Balthamel is a very strange character um he's got a carapace head like it, like the outside of a bug, like as his face, mm-hmm. uh, which was, I thought was interesting. And then like the description, like, cause he's laughing cause it's a frozen face. Um, and then like it's, and then Robert Jordan writes in like, and his laughter seemed to grow wilder, even though like he's not speaking or anything. Yeah. Uh, and the two forsaken are basically there to stop them and to claim, um, the, the one power, which yep. is for. I looked it up. Sidene side, Yeah. Is the male half of the power. Which is um, what's in the eye of the world. Yeah. Yeah. There's like a big pool of it. And they're there to like claim it and to stop Maureen and um, everyone else. And so then the green man comes in and he. <sighs> does his defender thing and he's like you will not pass (laughs) Um, you will not not take
0: this yeah
1: Yeah. and then he takes out bathomal by like infecting him with like fungus and all these things that like grow out of him and he like Mm -hmm. falls down dead and then rand has to fight um the other forsaken um yep agonor
0: and then there was and that scene basic- with, there was that scene with moraine where she was like trying to hold them back hold the two forsaken mm-hmm. back and it, like like completely used up like all her strength essentially and and, like she like passed out i think or something like that it's, like trying to hold them back or she was really weak at least maybe she didn't pass out but um
1: yeah she's mm-hmm. trying to hold them back and like she like the earth like splits away, and Agonor is just walking on thin mm-hmm. air, and like very unconcerned with all of Moraine's best efforts. And Land was taken out, like yeah. Land, who's implacable the whole book. The guy just like does a shooing motion with his hand, and Land is like wiped out. And that just kind of shows <laughs> you how powerful the Forsaken are because yeah, um, they just if they can take out a warder in one yeah. hit, <laughs> and then imagine <laughs> if is, they were to
0: get the one power, how much more powerful they would be.
1: Right. So, and, uh, and so, yeah, that, this is the encounter that happens. Um, this is the big climax. And then, yep. And this is, this is where we have the reminiscent of the Sander Lanch, as you introduced me to that term. Yes. The Sander <laughs> Yeah. So here comes the, la- the, the last oops. few
0: chapters. Everything happens.
1: Yeah, so so Rand is at the Eye of the World, and him and um, Aganar are battling over claiming Sidar or Sidine um, for themselves. And there's like a battle between them, it's like a mental battle. And um, Rand ends up winning it. Um, and then he's transported to the battlefield. So remember at Faldara. Yep. We were saying that uh, the the male the the human forces were preparing to battle the Trollocs, and uh, there's fades by the hundred, Mm -hmm. and that there was a break in the battle, and Rand just kind of like materializes in the battle, and he's seeing how hopeless it is for the human forces, and there's all these Trollocs and fades like riding, and then he goes like Super Saiyan and just like messes stuff up (laughs) yeah so he summons like walls of fire and he like projects them at the enemies and he burns them alive and he pounds his fist into the ground and like these big earthquakes like big like lands of rock just like ripple out from him and like take out like so much of the uh enemy hordes they said that it went from tenfold the number of human forces to just double um, so Rand wipes out like 80% of like all of the, the Dark One's army in just yep. a few seconds and then he's summoned to um, to fight um, Shaitan the Dark One um, up like and then he just like starts climbing into the clouds like that's kind of how I pictured it he was just like going up and he has to find um, the Dark One And then we have the encounter with the Dark One. So many encounters. So many encounters at the end here. I'm trying to... I don't remember all
0: the specifics with the encounter with the Dark One. Um, So,
1: yeah, I think um, he identifies that he is... um, There's a point, I think, before that, maybe it's in Faldara, where all three of them, like... He learns which one is which, like that Ram's the dragon and that Matt's the dagger holder and Perrin is the the wolf axe holder. And, uh, yeah, and then so...
0: Oh, there was also the scene where, I think maybe it was Moraine that was talking to them, saying, like, you need to deny him access in your dreams. And if you Mm -hmm. do that, then he won't have power over you, essentially. And I think a lot of that happens in his final battle with bale's where he says like i deny you and you know he's able to channel mm-hmm. the one power of course and uh defeat him um again I'm sure yeah I, he I talks, talks about like the there's civics
1: yeah so there's um like bialzimum uh is attached to like a black tether um and he's huge and he has he's like basically wielding like the dark energy of the world mm-hmm. and Rand has his power connected to like the light. Um, yes. And I don't know if this is the scene, but um there's a scene where Beelzebub like um, taunts Rand with like his mom and Egwene and Nynaeve and how he controls the dead. And he's like, you know, like, he basically tortures her and makes her scream. And Rand's like, I deny mm-hmm. you. I yeah. deny you. So, Rand eventually summons this blade of pure light and cuts the tether to the dark power um, that Bialzamum has. And um, at that point, he seems vanquished. Um, mm-hmm. And then Rand is transported back to the eye of the world after, like, Defeating the enemies, like the Trollocs yeah. and the...
0: Defeating the Forsaken Aganor, defeating the Trollocs, and then defeating Baalzaman. The Trifector.
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and don't forget the Murdral in there, too. And all the forces and everything. Yeah. Um, so he's, like, wiped out um, and exhausted. And he mm-hmm. finds his way back to Moraine, who knows what he is. He is the Dragon Reborn. And she said, no male Aes Sedai could channel that much power without dying, basically. Yep. And those are from 3,000 years ago. And Rand is just like, I touched the one power. I can't believe that I touched that. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's just in total disbelief. And then there's Moraine, Lan, Nynaeve, and Egwene. No. That he is the Dragon Reborn, but Loyal and um, Matt and Perrin do not know that he is the Dragon Reborn. So now there's a, a gap that Rand knows something that his best friends do not, and now he has to start keeping secrets from mm-hmm. them. Yep. Um, and, and that's... Um, that's basically where the book ends right there is uh, after all of this. Yeah. And Rand's
0: Rand's really concerned because he thinks because he can channel the one power, like he's going to go insane. And so he's, Mm -hmm. he's worried about that. And that's kind of where like his little story ends. Um, Is it, if he's the dragon reborn, I assume that means he's not going to go insane. Like the dragon reborn is like the one who will, like restore order to like the male half. I think it's kind of,
1: what well, I, got I don't out of know. It. Cause it, it, cause you know what? At the beginning, like before Emmons field, there was a introduction where it talks about lose Theron Kinslayer.
0: Yeah. The prologue. Yeah.
1: The prologue and how he was going through his wrecked palace with all the dead bodies yep. and how he, which is what he did. Wife. He did that himself. Yeah, and he yeah, he's the person who created all the wreckage and all the dead bodies of people he knew and people he loved, even his wife. So I think the dragon is supposed to go crazy. I think that's what's supposed he, to happen.
0: He was the last dragon reborn, correct? I think so. Yeah.
1: And uh yeah, and so he ended up killing a bunch of people. Um and because and then he was and then he had a little moment of sanity Where he realized what he did and then he like destroys himself and creates Dragon Mount Um, near Moretha. I can't even say it. Uh, Moretha.
0: Moretharin or something. Yeah.
1: Yeah, where all the two rivers people. It's the old blood and it um, became weak, just like a river spreads into a thousand rivers. And then, but rivers can come back together and they're Teverin and they have in blood and they are a thorn to the dark one's th- foot and that's all story that moraine told back mm-hmm. in Emmons field to all the people there and they have strong blood was basically like the yeah i
0: love w- how things that are told in the beginning of the story have like you can see all the little nuggets throughout the story and then how they're important at the end um i think it's it's good storytelling and like little, like all the foreshadowing throughout the story about things that would happen later
1: on um yeah so what did you think of uh the ending of the book there and like uh how do you think the book wrapped up in your in your thoughts um
0: yeah i thought it was a good ending i like i think i said this in the last episode like i didn't really like know what we were building towards you know what I mean? Like I didn't know mm-hmm. necessarily know that there was going to be like a battle with the forsaken and bails and all that kind of stuff. Um, so it was kind of like, um, I guess surprising maybe like that was how the story ended. Cause I guess like with the dark one, like he is the big bad. Like I didn't expect them to like fight him in the, at the end of book one. You know what I mean? That like, seems right. like it's a thing that's going to happen like way down the line. Um, but yeah, there's probably just like way more to the story in the world and like what the dark one is and like what he's capable of. Um, so yeah, it's hard to, hard to know like what's going to happen in the next books. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Maybe that just like caught me off guard a little bit. I thought it was a really good, I think it was really well written and it was really, um, Really cool scenes at the end with uh, him channeling the power and then the, the sort of and it all happened so fast. Yeah, it was I really was fast. Like,
1: I like had to listen to that part several times. I was like, okay, so he beats the Forsaken, then he's like magically transported to the battlefield, yes. and then like I had to reread like how he took out so many Trollocs and fades and yeah, um,
0: yeah. This would definitely sure. benefit cool. from a reread of certain parts for sure, just because there's so many like. There's so many details that if you read it just once, you m- probably will miss. Um, Cause like of re- future revelations, like things you read in the beginning of the book, like you pr- may have missed their importance um, until you got to the very end. So like, if you went back and reread the, the earlier parts of the book, like you'd be like, Oh, this now is pointing me to what happened later on. You can kind of maybe uh, connect all of the dots better um then like just on your first read through it might be like difficult to like pick up on everything
1: yeah, three things that I that stick out to me is kind of like um Bialzam, um bealum and the dreams and yes. how those kind of like evolve uh, yeah. another is the is the the dagger and how Matt starts to change and then um there was a third that I was thinking of um. Can't remember now, but yeah, I think those are things that are like, oh, those are um like now that I understand yeah. um the way it all fits together, like those are yeah. things that kind of stuck out to me as I reread mm-hmm. the book. Um yeah. yeah, and then at the end we have the return to Faldara and we have a magical gift called the Horn of Valier. Um that's brought into Faldara which basically summons a bunch of like powerful allies to fight in whatever war that you're fighting um and it's always you know there's the hunt for the horn which has been alluded to throughout the entire book like there's stories about it and there's like people go out and hunt for the horn and uh here it is they found the horn of Valir um and they bring it back to Faldara to you know, cause that's the place where they're fighting the most cause they're on the yep. edge of the blight and they need the most support, um, against the dark one. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think should I jump? Sorry, go ahead.
0: I was just going to try and think of something like from a Christian worldview, like talking a little bit about maybe, um, the whole thing we're si- saying like you have to deny the dark one or So he doesn't have power over you. I thought that was like a quote. Oh yeah. Go for it. Yeah. Do your quote.
1: I think that'll be a good lead into this. All right. So I, I, um, I picked out a quote. Um, it's about halfway through the book from Moraine. The father of lies is a good name for the dark one. It was always his way to seed a worm of doubt. Wherever he could, it eats at men's minds like a canker. When you believe the father of lies, it is the first step towards surrender. Remember, if you surrender to the dark one, he will make you his.
0: Hmm. Good quote.
1: So why did you pick that? I picked that because it's um. You know we we were talking about sin earlier and um. You know, Satan is also good at twisting. um, Satan knew the Bible backwards and forwards, and he was good at uh, putting out half-truths and almost-truths to try and bend people to his way. And we know that Jesus is able to fight back with Scripture because he has a full understanding of what God's Word Mm means, even more so than the devil who tries to trick him into... um, A foolish response and so it says when you believe the father of lies it's the first step towards surrender so to me that meant like when we believe something that is not of god we slowly start to turn towards it like more and more um Mm -hmm. and that's and that is a way that can lead you further and further into sin like belief that um watching um porn doesn't hurt anybody and that's like a belief that a lot of people have because it's like i'm doing this on my own time no one's doing their other thing but i've seen the way that it can creep into marriage and relationships and just rip them apart Um, and so like, if you believe that that isn't something that can hurt you, uh, remember if you surrender to the dark one, he will make you his, like, not saying that's an all encompassing thing, but, um, but if you believe those little lies and don't make an effort to combat them, like it's a way for the devil to, work his way into your soul and to have a foothold where he should not have one. Yep. Um, so that, that quote spoke to me.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's a good quote. Yeah. And that, that does speak to what I was going to say just about like denying the dark one, denying the devil. Like he only has <clears throat> like as Christians, like we've been like the battle has already been won. Like we've been liberated from our sin and, um, Jesus only sees the pure person that he, uh, makes us to be, um, like he covers all of our sin. And so like, we, like our sin doesn't have to have power over us. Like we, like we let it have power over us because, you know, we like being selfish or we like, um, how, whatever thing it is makes us feel or, you know, whatever it is, like we give it the power because we don't just, we like, we don't say no, like we just give in cause it's sometimes it's too hard to say no or, um, it's like the easy and it's way too easy to say yes. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Um, so I thought that was just like an interesting idea of like the dark one only has power over you. Like if you let him, like you have to just say no and deny him to have power over you. And like that kind of goes back. I don't remember what podcast it was, but like words have power. I'm trying to remember. It was some Brandon Sanderson book. Might have been Warbreaker. Like speaking, like you have to speak power into the into the item, like your breath or whatever, and give it a command and intent. Like our words have power. Um, and like scripture is the word, um, the word of God. So like in to like combat Satan and the Dark One we have to have, we used to have to use the words of God and, and scripture to combat him. Um, like it's the, the
1: sword in the, uh, in the armor of God that yep. the, the words that you use from, from God are your ways to yep. attack. Uh, and then you have like the other parts of we talked about the armor, like, um, now I'm forgetting all of them, but you have the helmet and the, um, the breastplate, the belt and of truth. And, yep. um, and those are the things that protect you, but knowing the word and knowing it in the way that God wants you to know it is the way that you can go on the offensive and take down, um, the devil and his lies.
0: Yep. And like the scene with Jesus before he starts his ministry where he's tempted in the desert, like the devil is using scripture against him, but then he's also using scripture to combat the devil. Um, so like the devil is twisting the scripture to make it seem like it fits his own narrative, but, he's taking it out of context and he's using it in a way that's destructive. And Jesus is using it in a way to defeat Satan and to show the the truth of, of God's word. Um, and that's like a, a picture for how we need to use scripture. Like we'll hear the devil talking in our ear about like different sin in our life and like why we should give in. Um, but it's important to like, even like memorize pieces of scripture to like have in your back pocket to like have, or you can just like pull out your sword. Like I have this, And I'm ready to defeat you. Um, I think it's a lot of times like I think fantasy stories can help us maybe see um, like how spiritual battles are like actually present in this world. Like they can paint a picture of um, like the spiritual battle that happens in the real world. Um, Whereas maybe it's like it's hard to maybe like imagine in our in our head of how that could take place. Um, but I think fantasy stories like Lord of the Rings, or I don't think wheel of time is not written from like a Christian perspective, but it has elements of like the dark one and like corruption and things taking over your mind. And, um, you know, those types of things that are like Christian ideas in a sense, um, where it can just help us kind of think about our own life and how we like approach those, um, situations where we're confronted with sin, um, or can, or uh, like someone's trying to convince us to do something that we know is wrong. But in like, like there's some like, like the, you know, the, the classic, like devil sitting on your shoulder, like sure. saying you, you should do it because it's, it'll be good. Or, you know, whatever it is. Um, but yeah, that's why fantasy stories are, are really good. And that's why that's we're why doing we this pod. That's why we're doing this podcast. You got it. Um, yeah yeah i think we're like way over time still even though (laughs) we only did like half the book but that's okay. okay it's okay um so that's gonna do it for this episode uh if you uh the next episode we're going to probably do some more uh wheel of time the eye of the world We'll probably talk about some of the characters because we didn't really we did a lot of the story and we kind of hit on some of the character stuff. But we didn't like talk specifically about like them as people and their personality. So we might do that. Uh, We might do some other things as well. We'll see what we do. Um, But. Yeah. Uh, If you want to go check out more Pages of Light stuff, you can go to our website, pagesoflight.com. Um, You can also subscribe to us on social media. Follow us. Uh, We're on YouTube. You can go over there and subscribe and uh, check out the video version of the podcast and some of the other content that I have over there. Uh, We're on Facebook, Instagram, Goodreads if you want to see what we're reading next. And uh, you can follow Gabe, of course, at NeighborhoodNerdServices.com and see what he's doing. And the links for all of those things will be in the description, of course, as well as links to buy uh, this first book, The Eye of the World. And by the time you're hearing this, the Wheel of Time TV show should be in full swing. I think um, the first three episodes drop on the 19th of November, and then they'll be going... Um, I think there's eight episodes. So I think it's the first three, and then it's a one every week after that until the end. So... The first oh, okay. season cool. should probably be be in the middle of the first season by the time this gets out. Um, so if you're watching the Wheel of Time TV show, let us know what you think about it in the comments. I'll be watching it, of course. Um, I'm not sure. Gabe, will you, will you be watching it?
1: I Yeah, I need to watch it because it looks awesome. Um, yep. And also, I'm not saying we have to do this, but we might need to wrap around and watch the Dune. Did you watch Dune?
0: Yeah, I did watch the movie, yeah. Yeah, we might need to do like a a podcast on just the movie. Yeah,
1: yeah, maybe a bonus episode. Maybe a bonus Nobody episode.
0: Knows. Yeah, we'll see. We'll find time in the schedule to do it. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, if you want to go support us, you guys can um, leave us a five star review on Apple Podcasts and leave us a review about your thoughts on this podcast. And you can also just share it with a friend, like tell somebody else that you like this podcast. And we're talking about Wheel of Time and Christian worldview stuff and um, how we can uh, be better Christians uh, through reading of fantasy and science fiction stories. Um, Yeah, that's going to do it. Thank you very much for listening. And as always, yeah, thanks for coming. As always, remember to keep reading and to share the gospel with somebody this week. And we will see you guys in the next episode.